The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Awesome, awesome. Well, God is good. God is good. He's good all the time. Uh, I'm really excited for uh, today. Today is Vision Sunday. We're talking about the mission of the church, the vision of the church, uh, and what God has in store for us. We had some great opportunities in front of us, and I really get a deep sense in the spirit that God is beginning to move in a way that we've been praying for for a really long time. So expect and be available and make sure you align yourself with God in a way that, that if God, as his eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for hearts that are completely his, he's going to find yours and you're going to say, here's one of my sons and daughters or I'm going to pour out my spirit. God's going to do some great things, guys. And, um, you know, I want to just say um, we had a really great year last year with a lot of great things. Church went through some changes. We had VBS for the first time. A lot of kids got the gospel put in their heart. Uh, We started reaching out to the DCFS, the foster teens who don't have any parents, and and we're trying to be the father to the fatherless, imparting life skills. Uh, There's been mission support this year. There's been a lot of uh, things going on, training, impartation, evangelism, things in the neighborhood. And so I just want to say... Thank you so much for those of you who call this home and you partner with the ministry. Thank you so much for giving us the, the, the ability and the privilege to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus and reach this city and be used for the glory of God. Uh, God is good and he's good all the time. God did some great things this year and he did it through all of you, especially all of you who serve. And I just would like to ask for a second, for those of you who serve here, would you kindly stand? We want to thank you and honor you. If you serve in children's ministry, you serve in hospitality. Come on, guys, let's praise them. In prayer ministry, uh, ushers, anything, sound, you guys in the back, anybody else. Th- thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our heart, because guys, thank you so much, guys. The kingdom of God goes on when we all get in on it together, when we participate with God in his vision and his mission. And so I want to share some things this morning about the the mission and the vision that God has given us and how we have this opportunity to, to partake and to take hold of the reason he took hold of us. And so I wanted to start out this morning with our mission statement, which I believe we have for up here. Our mission is quite simply knowing God and making him known. Knowing God and making him known. And this is something that is such a, an important reality that unless we personally know him, I mean really know him, we can't make him known. We can know about God and we can teach people about God, but if we know him, If we know him, if we have met with him, if we have encountered the resurrected Jesus ourselves, if he's made, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And if you've met with God, if you've communed with him, if Jesus has changed your life, if he's woken you up, if he's, if he's given you insight, revelation, new beginnings, then you've met with him. And from a place of knowing God, then we can make him known. Last week we talked about the love of the father. And a lot of people don't really understand the true and genuine and full love the Father has, the love that he's lavished on us that we might be called sons and daughters of God. He loves us so much he sent his only son. Last week we talked about the running father who runs after you and I. Whenever we're willing to turn and face him, he's like, I've been waiting. 
and he runs to us. He's a loving, loving God. And so this mission statement of knowing God and making him known, this actually comes from Jesus. Our mission statement was given to us by Jesus. We have a scripture for up here, uh, John 17, 25. It says this, righteous father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Jesus is like, I want to live inside everyone's hearts. I want my love inside everyone's hearts. That's the mission of the church, by the way. We don't get to make it up. That was given to us. Jesus is like, this is why I came. I want to live inside everyone's heart. I want my love inside everyone's heart. And this is what he says. He goes, Father, I know you, and I'm going to make you known. I'm going to continue to make you known. I know you, and I'm going to make you known. That's the mission statement Jesus gives, knowing God, knowing God, and making him known. And I would suggest to you that's the order. If we don't really know God, if we don't really know him, we can't make him known. This is so, so important. Uh, Truly knowing God before we can make him known. And that's why we as a church, we are totally committed to encouraging everyone to encounter Christ, to really encounter him. To learn about him is one thing, but when you personally encounter him and you know what he did for you personally and how he has a new beginning, a fresh start and puts his spirit, then you encounter Christ in a new way. And anytime you encounter Christ, you can't be the same. I couldn't be the same. I trust you couldn't be the same when you encounter Christ. Encountering Christ is enormous, and that is our commitment, and that is our vision to share as many, with as many people as we can in this city, and whatever kind of global effect we can have through the web or anything, leveraging media, anything we can do to reach people that they might have an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, we're all about that. I want to share three points with you this morning. If you're a note taker, I want to encourage you to, to jot them down so that you can, or put them in your phone, your device, so you can track with us and get in on the, the mission and the vision that we could actually be in on this together as a family of believers. And the first one is to, to be fully committed to Christ, to be fully committed to Christ, not just know about him or learn about him, but be fully committed to Christ. Because if we're fully committed to Christ, the rest is just going to be a natural outflow, making him known in everything he wants to do in your life. In fact, everything good in your life is going to be an outflow of being committed to Christ. Everything good, every good and perfect gift is going to be from God. Everything that lasts, everything that matters, everything that bears fruit, Jesus is going to be in the middle of it. So be fully committed to Christ. That's really, really important. And this is important for us to not just know about God and do the things a church does, but to really be the church, to really be the kind of church that God is calling us to be. Uh, this is really important. There's, there's been historical um, denominations and things over time that used to be totally committed to Christ. And after time, they drifted and stopped being committed to Christ. And those movements turned into monuments because they stopped being committed to Christ. They, they stopped keeping the main thing the main thing. And so when it comes to being the church, like legitimately being the church in a profound and a powerful way, one of the best places for us to go, we look in the book of Acts, and we look at the church in the book of Acts, and we wonder, 
why is it that they understood the kingdom so well? Why is it that even under persecution they were spreading and God was moving in their community? By the power of the Holy Spirit, God was moving through believers in profound ways. What did they have? Valid question. And I want us to look at Acts 2.42. Again, we have this for up here. And, and this gives us an insight, guys, because if, if you want the power of the early church, we need to have the vision of the early church. If you want the power of the early church, we need the vision of the early church. And this little verse right here is like a thesis statement of the early church. This tells us the vision, the aim, the focus of the early church. This explains to us everything we see in the book of Acts, all those chapters of what God did in all the communities and the cities. This is right in the middle. It gives us a, a beautiful snapshot of their, of their lifestyle what kind of church they were being. It says this in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is enormous. It's four really key things. Now, some of these we understand. The apostles' teaching, growing in the word of God, growing in the things of God, the knowledge, growing in grace. We, we, we continue to keep the word of God central. Um, he says that growing in prayer, they were committed to prayer. Prayer is integral in all of our lives. We have 24-hour prayer and fast here in your own life. Personally, prayer is important. Everything through prayer and supplication. But listen, the other two things he said, 50% of what he said, 50% of what he said, the power of the early church, had to do with us. Had to do with us. See, the apostles' teaching is getting into the word and understanding the nature of the very God we serve, his love, his ways, his will. And his spirit will speak to you and show you and it's always gonna line up with his word. It's a beautiful revelation of God that, that, that he gives us. And prayer is the times we commune with him and we talk with him and we, we make intercession on others' behalf and that's beautiful. But half of the entire equation, the power of the early church, the vision of the early church was locked into us, the people. It says they were committed to breaking bread. Yes, they had communion. They'd sit down and have meals together. They would hang out and encourage and challenge and pray for each other. They had this unity among themselves and it says very straightforward, they, they were committed to fellowship. They were committed to others. They were committed. They did not live their life outside of a community. In fact, it was an unknown idea in the early church. If you talked about a, tr- a Christian outside of a Christian community, they'd be like, what kind of Christian is that? We never heard of that. It just didn't exist. Christians were part of a church. They were part of a fellowship. It was really, really important. And since these guys were so devoted, and since they understood the power of what Jesus was talking about, um, they were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted, really, to their core, to their family. They had a fellowship, like-minded believers that they were locking in with. They understood what Jesus said, that a house divided will not stand, but they also knew that a house united is unshakable. When that house united is standing on the word of God, being led by the spirit, unshakable. They knew that. They experienced that. They went through persecutions. They went through victory stories, testimonies, radical things. They also knew that that's why Jesus talked so much in the Bible about the one another's. Love one another. You know, be patient with one another encourage one another, all the one another's. Why did he say that? Because Jesus was designing our faith to be lived out in community and it was really, really important. These 
early believers, guys, they understood this commitment to being a core together, to being a family together, to being a fellowship uh, together. In fact, this one prayer I want to share with you uh, that Jesus made, John 17, it's the last prayer he prayed before going to the cross. I would suggest it's super important. This prayer is super important. He finished his work, you know, he's ready to go to the cross and just finish the atonement for all. And right before he goes, this is his last prayer. It is so important. And he says this, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Talking about the believers. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know. You might want to underline that in your Bible. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus is saying it's going to be through the unity that the world will know. The world will see Jesus. The world will see the power of the living God through a united church. And this is important. I know we believe in that theory but I want to encourage us as a family getting in on a mission on the next rollout, the next sequence of revival that God has for our city. This is right in the middle of it. The early church was in unity and one accord. They were locked. They understood what fellowship was about. They understood this importance, like don't break the fellowship, don't break the unity. And in that place, the Spirit of God looked down, smiled, and poured out in a profound and a powerful way. It's amazing. Uh, If we're united, then the world will know. So the second point this morning, again, if you're a note taker, this is core to our vision, who we are, is to be fully committed to the core. Be fully committed to Christ and be fully committed to the core. The early church was, and they modeled such an explosive uh, example of what it's like when a community of believers are going by the word of God and the spirit of God and the rest is history that we're reading about 2,000 years later. I don't know about you, but I would love for people to read about what God did in this community, in this humble little church. I would love for people to read later on. Not because, I don't even care if they don't know our names. They don't have to know our names. Uh, let us decrease so he can increase. But if you look at all revivals, God found like-minded believers that said, well, here am I, God, send me. They were committed to Christ. They were committed to their core, to their fellowship, to one another. And God did radical things. Wouldn't that be beautiful if God started to light up something in our city and it started with us? I believe God is about to unfold some some revival coming to this city. There are many that are praying about revival and sensing that God is gonna pour out his spirit in LA because LA is an influence capital of the world. So guys, I wanna encourage you, take it to heart, get ready, prepare yourself But this is not just some passing thing like, yeah, that's what we talked about last week or the week before, guys. This is central to who we are and who God is calling us to be. Be committed to Christ fully. Be fully committed to the core. And then our mission, our mission moves on from knowing God to making him known, to making him known. Literally going public for Jesus, sharing the reality that the living God is alive and well and in pursuit and wants a love relationship with everyone, making him known, not just about God, but God himself, making God known. And Jesus asked us to be committed to this mission, this mission of making him known. And this, in fact, is our cause. This is what the church is supposed to do from a place of loving God, from a place of putting God first, from a place of God is number one in your life. From that place, 
The next thing that we are to exist for is to make him known. After an outflow of intimacy with God, an outflow of experiencing his love and communing with him and knowing who he is and growing in knowledge and grace, getting to know from that place, to give it away. Freely you've been given and freely give. And that's the thesis of, of scripture on this. In Matthew 28, you guys know the, uh, the passage really well. I want to read it really quick because this is our cause. Jesus gave us this cause He gave it to the church as our aim, as our focus, as our mission, as our cause. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love this. Um, The disciples, they spent a lot of time with Jesus. They knew God. They knew him well. And from a place of really knowing God, they were asked, now will you make him known? Uh, Jesus didn't stand outside, you know, the people graduating from the Jewish rabbinical school and said, can I give you a test to see if you know things about God? Okay, go make him known. Jesus hung out with these guys and Jesus made sure that they knew who he was. They experienced the kingdom of God in very tangible ways. And after really knowing God, began to make him known. Disciples did that. They were committed to Christ. They also understood the commitment to unity. The unity. They were committed to Christ. They were committed to the core. This is something that was going on in the early church. These guys were together with Christ. They were together on the core. But they were also fully committed to the cause. And that's the third point this morning. Uh, if you're a note taker, be fully committed to Christ. Be fully committed to the core, to the fellowship, to the one and others, to the church, to the, to the family of believers. And the third is to be fully committed to the cause because this is our aim, this is our mission, this is our focus. And he tells us what it is to go make disciples. You know what I love? He says, go into all the world and all nations. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. Every different uh, group of people, every different... Um, Uh, people from different nations, people from different geographies, people with different languages, go and reach them for me. Share my love with them. Let them know I have a plan that's way better than theirs and I invite them to get in on it. You know what I love about this? We are living in a time and a place in a city where we don't even have to leave this city to do that. We live in a place where we have every tribe, tongue and nation right here in our city and we don't have to go anywhere except for across the street or across the cubicle, or across the aisle in Trader Joe's. God put us in a place where we don't have to go to the other side of the planet to do this. There are people doing that, and God bless them. That's beautiful. But you and I, we can stay right here and fulfill this great commission. On a baseball team, you got every tribe, tongue, and nation. In line at Trader Joe's, you have every tribe, tribe, tongue, and nation. Your kids at school, and the parties are going to, and their friends coming over. We've got every tribe, tongue, and nation. We have no excuse. This commission is right laid before us in such a time as this in a way that it never has been in the history of society like it is for us, I believe, right now, this opportunity. And I would encourage you, since he's talking about making disciples, be the kind of disciple who makes disciples. Ask yourself this morning, am I a believer or am I a disciple? Because it says in James that even the demons believe and shudder. To believe that God is God That's a good start, but that's really not that profound. It's pretty obvious that God is God. He's the creator of the universe. He's the 
you know, the author and perfecter, it doesn't take a lot of time to figure out, wow, God, this is way beyond any happenstance. This is intelligent design behind this and you're behind it all. So to know God exists is a good thing. It's a good start. But the reality is um, we can be a believer or we can be a disciple. He's asking us to be a disciple. He's asking us to be a disciple. A disciple by nature is one committed to the ways and the teachings of his master, of his Lord. Literally the Lord. Lord, you show me, I want to learn from you. I want to follow you. Show me how to walk. Show me how to talk. Show me how to live. Show me how to live in the spirit. You model it so well. And walking with Jesus that way. And then in turn, in turn, to turn around and make disciples, which really means replicate. And here's the beauty about this. You don't have to take people where you're not. But I believe God is calling every one of us in this room to start prayerfully identifying people that you can bring to where you are. Bring people to where you are. That you can do. That I can do. All of us can bring people to where we are. We're all capable of doing that. And Jesus is saying, would you do that, please? That really is the cause. If you're committed to me, Christ, Jesus would say, and you're committed to the core, the fellowship, the family of believers, which, by the way, is God's design, on this rock I will build my church. The church is Jesus' design. Committed to Christ, committed to the core, committed to the cause. Would you make disciples? Would you find someone around you, every tribe, tongue, and nation, would you find someone around you that you can introduce to me? And can you encourage them to come along just to your level, just to where you're at, just based on what you know. You don't have to be a theologian. You know, when the, when the apostles just started walking with Jesus, you see this amazing passage of Nathaniel and Andrew running saying, hey, you gotta meet this. You gotta meet this Messiah. How long have you known him? Oh, just two days, but still, you gotta meet him. You still gotta meet him. See, it wasn't a matter of knowing everything about Jesus and knowing all of his teachings yet. It's about he's the way, the truth, and the life. And I know this is the way. And this is where it starts. I would encourage you guys to be fully committed to the cause and making disciples. We're living in a time where the harvest is, in fact, plentiful. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And we are to pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers for the harvest. So basically, workers for the harvest are those who will take a step out into the harvest field and say, yeah, show me who, God, and I would be happy to harvest for your glory at least plant seed or maybe water. And if it's time for the harvest, that's beautiful, God. I'll step into that too. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Um, you know, we've been doing this year um, as a church seeking God. And we've been doing these uh, quarterly prayer and fast uh, nights, 24-hour fair, uh, fast and prayer. How many of you guys have been to those? Okay, thank you. They're powerful don't miss it, guys. The next one, we'll let you know in the newsletter uh, when it's coming up. It's powerful. You pick any hour or two you would like throughout the day or the night and come into the, to the youth room, prayer room, and we're just praying around the clock. There's been a lot of great things that have come out of that. There's been great revelation. God's speaking to us in times when we press in and draw near to him. God directing and showing and giving us revelation. And one scripture he gave us, and I want us to put this up here, Isaiah 58, because this is a revelation from God, and I believe it is timely for us, for our mission and for our vision right now, this year, to acknowledge this. I really sense this was a, a God-given thing. And it, this is what it says in Isaiah 58, 12. 
And this came out as a revelation through prayer and fasting, drawing near to God. It says this, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, restorer of the streets and dwellings. How many of you guys know that Jesus is the redeemer? He's the redeemer. Everything he touches, he redeems. When he walked through Jerusalem, streets, Samaritans, lepers, doesn't matter who, when he touched them, they were redeemed. Your sins are forgiven. Poof, really? Just like that? Yep. Boom, boom, boom. Everything he touches, he redeemed. When he touched you, he redeemed you. When he touched me, he redeemed me. He redeems everything he touches. How many of you guys would you agree that our city needs a lot of redemption? Our city needs a lot of redemption. Your family needs redemption. Our streets and neighborhoods need redemption. Our city needs redemption desperately. Now, I want to read this from another translation. I just want to ask you to close your eyes for a second, and you think of what God wants to rebuild, what God wants to redeem for a moment. Please close your eyes, and when I read this passage in another translation, just think about what is he showing you, what is God showing you that he wants to touch redeem, rebuild, restore, make new, because he says, behold, I make all things new. Let me read this again, Isaiah 58, 12, from another translation, with your eyes closed, just maybe ask God to give you an image or a picture of what he might be directing you to. You will use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. You can open your eyes. We serve the mighty Redeemer. And the mighty Redeemer, through you and I, wants us to infiltrate the city, wants to invite people here that they can hear of the love of God, be touched through prayer, through revelation, through insight, to new beginnings, but also to mobilize and empower us to, to go public, to hit the streets, and to partner with him because he restores every breach. He is the restorer of the breach. That's God's name. That's his nature, to restore brokenness. Anywhere where there's brokenness. We were born into a broken world. We were born into sin, broken from the beginning. Our families broken, neighborhoods broken, systems broken, government broken, a lot of things, economy broken, a lot of broken stuff. But when Jesus is invited into it, And through you and I, you're going to start to see Jesus touching, redeeming, restoring, making things new. That excites me. I don't know if that excites you, but that should excite you because God wants to use you to introduce the people to say, you know what he's telling you? Behold, I make all things new. He's got a new beginning for you. He's going to do a new thing, not like the old thing in your life. Are you ready? And God is going to start touching people and taking away hearts of stone, and giving people hearts of flesh. He's going to start redeeming things. Um, already, we've, we've seen the answers of prayer. Um, we've been praying for a long time, and finally, we're able to uh, reach out to these uh, foster kids. How many of you know that God is the father to the fatherless, right? He's the father to the fatherless. So where true religion is looking after the widows and the orphans, it says in James. So we're trying to reach out specifically in this area of all these fatherless kids, all these orphan kids. And so we have, we have foster teens. All last year it happened, but now it's ramped up and gotten more official where the county, we sat and met with them and they realize what we're doing. We're trying to give life. 
We're not charging them. Come, we want to bless you. We want to serve you. We want to host you. What can we do to come alongside you and help you? And they're like, wow, we're not used to the church doing that. And so we host these nights where we, we impart life skills to these teenagers who don't have any mom, dad, aunt, uncle, or grandparent that ever took them in. They've been raised by the system. And we get to partner. That is part of restoring the broken walls. That is part of restoring the breaches in lives. That's part of, of, of rebuilding and renovating and things that were wrecked and breaches and restoring them again and giving these kids a sense of identity. It's, it's amazing. Um, you may have saw in the video all the uh, foster teens who were pregnant. It was like 30 gals who were pregnant, young. And it's sad. And we could say, well, they shouldn't be. And what about, yep, we could do all that. But guess what? They are. <laughs> They're pregnant. And they're about to have a baby. And they don't have a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa. If they did, they'd be living with them. But they've been raised by the system. And now what are they going to do? I know. Let's give them Jesus. Let's celebrate. Let's have them come in. And this was laid out with all kinds of stuff for them and, and all kinds of brand new strollers. We, we had them write down their baby shower list. What do you want? Like, seriously? Yeah, what do you want? Well, I want a brand new stroller. I want it. Okay, they wrote this down and then through the graciousness and gratitude and gifts, we were able to give away brand new strollers and bassinets and furniture and all kinds of stuff and this whole place was loaded, giving it all away. Why? Because that's restoring broken walls. That's a restorer of the breach. That's the nature of the God we serve and he's asking us to partner with him. It's redemption, 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 redemption. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's redemption and here's the reality. He does it through you and I. We could just say, well, God, just send them a stroller. He's like, well, why don't you go bring them one and watch what I do? It's amazing. But we got to partner with God in the profound things he does. So I believe, I believe God is calling us uh, to be literally a city on a hill, to be an epicenter for revival. And I just want to show you, we got a picture of uh, this property here, this church building um, that we're in. I believe God strategically placed us here. Um, We have that one. Uh, God placed us here in this corner. We've been praying for a long time. We lived, uh, Christy and I, we lived across the street for uh, 10 years. Uh, Before that, I lived another, actually, we lived 15 years or so across the street. 10 years before that, I lived in this neighborhood, praying, having Bible studies, reaching out to neighbors, walking the streets, praying. And all of a sudden, this building came available to us a few years ago. So we've been in here a few years, and God has uh, strategically, I believe, placed us in between two high schools. We've been praying for those high schools a lot. And now finally, we're able to host meetings where Alana is coming in and ministering to all these teenage gals that are coming in during the week from school who don't have a church or go to a church. But they're coming to hear about the kingdom of God and the love of Jesus during the week. It's beautiful. God put us between two high schools. We also have a couple of colleges around us. I don't know about you, but I have a strong sense that the teens and 20s are the most underserved for Christ that, that there are in this city. They are the ones who are, are being raised in a world, in a time uh, where there's been a lot of dismantling going on. Uh, you, you may have been raised with some level of understanding of right and wrong. We're living in a time uh, where, where the pendulum swings any way you want, whatever your preference or style or whatever you think is good or right or bad. And God's like, I love them and I still want to reach them because they need restoration too. And God placed us in such a place strategically. I believe he wants us to be a city on a hill. 
And so since this is Vision Sunday, I believe we have some opportunities and we have some needs, but I want to encourage you, would you stand with us in prayer, serious prayer, for God to bust things open to the next level. We are here for such a time as this. If you think you're in LA for any kind of happenstance or because of some decision that you meant to do this, but you ended up here, no, God has you here for such a time as this. You were made, you could have been born in any generation in society. You could have been born in the stagecoach days where the coolest thing you ever got to see is a stagecoach coming through town once a week. That's where you could have been born. You could have been born on the other side of the globe working in a rice paddy your whole life because that's what your family always did and you never left there. You could have been born in the middle of a jungle. You could have been born at the North Pole. You could have been born in the year 1200 or the BC days, but God has you here, right here, right now for such a time as this. And I believe if we start to really uh, listen and turn our ear to the voice of God, begin to listen to his spirit and press in deeper, you're gonna discover that God has you here very intentionally and that he's shaken us from our slumber, that the light of Christ might shine in us. He's shaken us and waken us up to this next next level. You know, with this property here, this church that I believe God wants to use and and, uh, do profound things through here, I really have a strong sense. Our leaders do. We've prayed about that. We've walked around this property and had prayer meetings. We have an opportunity, uh, church, to, to buy this property. We're currently leasing it. We have an opportunity to buy it. Um, the reality is we don't uh, currently have the finances to buy it. And so since this is a vision meeting, I just want to be transparent with you and just share you some insights that we don't normally hear in a Sunday church service, but I want to share with you some of the, some of the details on, on, on what's going on and what it looks like because we're all part of this church and we all want to walk in this vision and mission together. Uh, in order for us to buy it, we, we need a miracle. But how many of you believe in the God of miracles? You believe the God? Amen. God does miracles. He does them all the time. In fact, it's been said, if you can explain it, God probably didn't do it. Uh, so, so we need God to move in a way that we can say, wow, look what God did. But at the same time, uh, we serve this amazing God of multiplication, the God who multiplies. Um, interesting thing about the multiplication in the Bible, fishes and loaves, other than the resurrection, that, to my knowledge, is the only miracle that's in all four Gospels. God was like, I, I need you to know about multiplication. It's the only, other than the resurrection, it's in all the Gospels. I don't see any other miracle in all four except for the resurrection. I mean, except for the resurrection, multiplication is the only miracle I find in Scripture that's in all four Gospels. And I, I, I believe there's something profound that he wants to tell us about that. When we look at the passage of God multiplying and providing and doing things and doing miracles and opening doors and profound things, he says something in that passage. They said, well, there's a need here, and how in the world are we going to meet? There's no way we can meet the need. We, we can't do it. And Jesus says, well, bring me what you do have. Well, that ain't going to get... Bring me what you do have. Okay. Here's what we have. Great. Take that. Give thanks. And watch God multiply. Amen? Take that. Give thanks. Watch God multiply. I believe that's what he's speaking to us as part of our next step of a vision. I believe for us to step into revival, to reach this city, use this place as an epicenter for what God wants to do, I really believe he wants to take what we have, give thanks, and watch God multiply. 
in Scripture, true disciples, they have open hearts and open hands. I believe this is a time, guys, where each of us, we need to trust God personally so that we can trust God corporately. We can trust God together if we can all trust God personally. And if we're going to continue to be a life-giving church, you've seen up here even the orphans that were sponsored. Money goes out every month to provide for these orphan kids who are AIDS orphans in Africa who don't have anything. And if you saw in the pictures, they went from this big, because they've been sponsored for, I think, over 10 years, from this big to this big. You know, some of them are ready to graduate out now. We've taken them from these little kids with no parents in an AIDS-affected area of Africa from here to here through the generosity of the church. But we want to be a life-giving church. We want to give away more things to foster moms that are pregnant because no one else is doing it. We want to be the church that reaches the high schools and the colleges. And we want to give life. And I believe God is calling us to be an epicenter. But if so, it's going to take trusting God personally so we can trust him corporately. This is really important. And this is what it takes to be a life-giving church. And again, I want to say for those of you who do support the mission here, I sincerely, on behalf of everyone, the leadership and everyone who serves here, thank you so much because it is your diligent support and your continued support that allows us the privilege to be able to do all the statistics and the things you see up there are because of you and your service and your faithfulness. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I do want to say this too, since we're talking about vision and kind of the um, the state of the union or the state of the mission, the state of the mission of Metro Church here in the Valley. Um, I, I want to say if, if, you, um, if you received and you should have received, if you give here, you should have received a um, year-end giving statement. And again, if that truly reflects your tithes and offerings, thank you for being so faithful. Uh, to, it's a biblical obedience. Thank you for doing that. Uh, it, it, is, it is amazing. And I trust God is showing you great things in that. He says, Trust me in this and do this. If not, if the statement you got doesn't reflect tithes and offerings, I just want to say this to you. I really want to encourage you. Start learning how to trust God. Start learning how to trust God. Don't be the kind of believer that trusts God with your eternity but does not trust God with your present. Don't be the kind of believer that trusts God with heaven but not with your finances. A real disciple, fully committed to Christ, be all in. If we're going to be committed to Christ and we're going to be committed to the core, and we're going to be committed to the cause. If we're going to do that, we've got to be all-in kind of people. All-in kind of people. And I believe we've got to start trusting God. Um, you know, we have a, a picture uh, up here of the, uh, the stewardship of the church. Um, and this is, uh, uh, I think we have a graph for, um, of this. Okay, so this is the giving at the church. This is where things go um, right now. Um, the um, Missions is the, the top portion uh, audiovisual insurance things, uh, staff. There's seven people that serve here on a, a, a full or part-time basis. Uh, then there's uh, taxes, general administrative, and then the building rent and repairs. Here's what's ironic about that building. Uh, you know, the building costs, which are pretty big. If God graced us with the down payment, the deposit for this building, our actual purchase payment is pretty much what we're already paying in our lease payment. Isn't that amazing? So for us to buy this, it's not like that changes a whole lot, but we need a deposit, we need a down payment. So we're, that's what we're praying for. So I want to encourage us, if we could all be, you know, uh, biblical in our approach to, to giving, I believe God can do that and, and turn this around and make this an option. Um, that's really important, but that's the stewardship and that's how uh, God's resources here are invested for the kingdom of God 
And, and, and that's what that looks like. The other thing I want to show, we have another one, and this is a financial and overall picture, if we look at this. Um, this is total tithes and offerings for the year. And this is the total expenses of staff, rent, everything, the missions, things we give away, and stuff like that. And so, uh, as you can see, I don't know what percent that is, but there's a, uh, this is 2015. Um, we ran into a pretty big negative this last year, and uh, we really... Uh, been kind of operating out of save savings, which we can't really do for a long time. Uh, and so we have to pray for a turnaround uh, so that we can continue to be a life-giving church. And so uh, maybe what we'll do is even post something like that a little bit more regularly so you guys can see. Um, but I think that's important to kind of get a little snapshot of like, wow, it takes a lot to do this and ensure and the staff and to reach the city. It takes a lot to you know, to give away strollers and give away, it just takes a lot to be a life-giving church, and so that's really important. Um, But on that note, um, I want to encourage you guys that the Bible on this part of the mission, on this part of the mission to be a life-giving church, um, the Bible calls, God uses the term first fruits. First, everyone say first fruits. First fruits. You got an orange tree? The first oranges that come off it, those are the early ones. Those are the first fruits. You're going to get more later on. When it's more in season, there's going to be a whole. But in the beginning, there's first fruits that come on the tree or any kind of plant you have. It's a first fruits. Uh, The Bible says, this is what it says, guys. I just want to uh, just share this full counsel of God. It says that the first fruits, God says the first fruits belong to me. Guess what God says? God says the first fruits belong to me. And in Malachi... Uh, He says this, he says that if you don't bring first fruits to me, it's robbing me. This is what God's saying. I don't want to make this up. We don't talk about this a lot, but I I want to talk about it when we have a mission at hand to go public and be a life-giving church on a whole nother way. These are some of the things that are right here like, wow, will we trust God and get get in the boat with him here or no? Will we stay on the shore and go, well, I pray it goes good. Uh, praying is important. That's an important part that we ask all of you to partner with us, but stepping in the boat is profoundly important. The Bible says that if we don't participate in this area of putting God first, and it's talking about our first fruits, our finances, that it's robbing God. And God says that if we don't, that he can't bless us financially. He says, I, I, I can't and I won't. But he says this, if you do, if, this is God saying it, if you do, watch what I will do. Uh, I say this from experience, you know, I've been giving for over 20 years in a biblical sense, tithes and offerings, and I will say that God has always supplied my needs according to his riches and glory, always, 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 because this is the model that he makes, and I'm not going to make up a different model. I'm not going to say, God, you're wrong, I have a better way. I've learned that a long time ago. God's ways are the best ways. I want to encourage you. Now, the tithe, the giving is supposed to, the Bible says, come into God's storehouse. Everyone say storehouse. Storehouse. Storehouse is the place of God. It's the temple or the church. It's the place where God has his resources to give out and be a life-giving church, whether it's giving away strollers or giving away uh, videos on the internet, whatever the, whatever the ministry that's going out, uh, whether it's orphan support around the world, that's the storehouse of God. So he says, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse. Watch what I'm going to do so there'll be food in my house, so there'll be resources. So the tithe, guys, is supposed to go to God's storehouse. But I do want to say this because some, we don't talk much about money or finances around here. But I do want to say this. This topic, I could tell it, it just kind of makes people feel weird. Um, 
And the reason it does, the Bible says that where our treasure is, our heart is also. So when we talk about money, that's really close to our heart. And there's certain topics that people don't like to talk about. Um, I would encourage you this. I challenge you to be biblically obedient and acknowledge the tithe belongs to the Lord, but you can't do it out of compulsion. You can't do it out of guilt. can't do it out of shame. can't do it out of any other thing. It's got to be, God, I love you. You love me. I want to be committed to you. I want it to be an offering, not just from my lips or my prayer, but an actual tangible one that I could also be committed to the cause, your cause, your mission, that you would take this, that you would feed orphans with it, you would let the gospel go out through the city, you'll give away, whatever you want to do, God, it's your, take it and multiply it, and God will say, watch what I'll do. Now, if you have an issue or a concern uh, about this, because sometimes people do, or maybe you're visiting today, I would say, if you can't do this here for some reason, don't get out of it, tithe somewhere else. I want you to know this principle of God. I want you to know this obedience as a pastor. I want you to know this blessing so passionately. People that understand this, they flip a switch. They never look back. They're like, I get it. And there's other people like, what? How how in the world? It's foreign. It sounds like some foggy, like what in the world? No, it's a promise of God. I want to encourage you, tithe, learn to trust God Bring the whole tithe into his storehouse. Let's not rob God of his first fruits. Again, if you can't do it here, learn to tithe somewhere else. Give, give somewhere, but, but learn to put God first and watch, watch what he will do. So as the worship team comes up, I just want to encourage you guys this. To make this vision reality, this is what I really want to encourage every one of you so that we can be on page together. First, number one, pray. First, pray, personally pray. Say, God, we want revival and we want to be part of it, God. Would you do what you need to do? Move what you need to move. Shuffle what you need to shuffle. Take things out of the way. God, we want revival in our city and in our lives. Number one, pray. The other one is serve. Um, If you're not serving, uh, then then you're, you're learning, you're learning, but you're not actually replicating anything yet. Uh, when you start to serve, you begin to make disciples. You start to partner with God and his people to bless and serve others. I want to encourage you, if you're not serving, uh, we, we ask you, please, not just pray, but step in and learn to serve. Learn how to represent Jesus and, 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 and uh, just bless others and, and make disciples. And, and the third one, guys, is, is biblical giving. I really want to encourage you, if you haven't trusted God in this area, you don't know what you're missing. You got to trust God. Watch what he will do. I believe revival is waiting. And if we are willing to be committed, not just individually, but together, we're going to see some explosive things. So I want to just close in prayer. And I want to ask God that he would begin to do things among us, um, that there would be a highlight reel for next year that we watch and say, wow, can you believe what God has done among us and he didn't do it because of us, but he, he blessed us and he honored us to show up in such a powerful and a profound way. So let's just close on that note. Mighty God, we, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. And, and Lord, I just pray that we would be the kind of people that see what you see. You say the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. You, you say, don't you see that it, they're ripe? Don't you know that this is the time? The time is now. The place is here. Lord, you want us to be all in, committed to Christ, committed to the core of the fellowship, 
and Lord, committed to the cause, which is the mission you've given us, God, I pray this year that we would jump into a level of commitment with you and there would be a fruit coming out of this, God, that we would begin to see a lot of broken things restored. Friends and family members, every tribe, tongue, and nation, people on our blocks, Lord, we'd begin to reach others for you. We'd begin to grow them at least to where we are. And Lord, that you would begin to take them on journeys of a lifetime, Lord. You have for every one of us in the room, Lord God, you've probably got five or 10 people that you would put on our heart to say, yep, they all need me. And I love every one of them. And I'm coming after every one of them. But you're asking us, will you partner with me in that? Oh yes, I am the God of multiplication. But will you bring what you have? Even if it's just one loaf and a couple of fish or five loaves and three fish or 20 loaves and eight fish, it doesn't matter. Would you bring what you have and watch what I will multiply? Let us do that with our lives, Lord God. Let us be God first people. Lord, we just invite you to come into our church, into our fellowship in a whole new way. And that this year, God, you would do great and mighty things we know not of. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We pray, I pray you light up every heart in this room, God, that every heart would walk out of here. Every person would walk out of here, eyes wide open, and begin to see the harvest fields like never before, literally even at lunch, like 3D. Begin to see the server at the table. Begin to see, begin to see people the way you see people. And that we would not just grab the TV and flip the remote, but we would say, wow, I'm beginning to see what God's seeing. He's showing me. I'm seeing it a different way. He's waking me up to the beginning steps of revival. And Lord, I want to step into it. I trust you're saying revival is here. Just step into it. I believe you're saying that to us individually and collectively. That the, the, the availability of revival is here. Just step into it, Lord. We want to step into it, but we want to step into it together. Let us be the kind of sons and daughters, family of believers, a core at Metro Church here where we step in together. We love you, God. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for the great and mighty things you're doing and the things you're about to do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.